Christians sometimes show their indifference when they fail to see the importance of their local church. Do you realize that Jesus died for the church? And when we say, well, if I can get to church, I'll get to church. But if I don't feel like it, if I don't have time, if there's nothing else important, if I got nothing else to do, then I'll go to church. What an indifferent kind of attitude that one is, right? Take your Bible this evening, please, and open up to the book of Joshua, chapter number 8. Joshua, chapter 8. Tonight, we started something new. Uh, you didn't know this, but uh, I'm going to tell you about it now. We found a way, we think, to help to improve uh, air circulation here in the auditorium. The fans uh, are on a very special timing device now. So for four minutes, they're on low, and for one minute, they go up to high. Then they go back to low for another four minutes, and then they go up to high for one minute. So you may feel uh, a little bit of breeze tonight in the auditorium. So anyhow, it's all kind of a test mode. Um, I suppose if we, if we hear pages fluttering like mad, you know, for a minute, then we may rethink this idea. But uh, we're going to give it a try. So you can see it's back down to low now. Give it a few minutes and it'll be up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be into April. Maybe three, three more Wednesdays, I think. I haven't checked the calendar, but we're going to be into April, and we're going to be starting a brand new, not just a series, but a whole program. I'm very excited about this, and I do believe it's going to be a great blessing to our whole church. We're going to do uh, small classes here in the, the church. We're going to have, of course, our teen class is going to continue on. We're going to be starting up uh, a class for the ages 5 to 12-year-olds, and that will allow families with children to be able to come. And then we're going to start with two Bible study curriculums, completely different, and we're going to have those here in the, the auditorium We'll be starting a third one, uh, maybe a couple of months down the road, and we'll be able to put that, I think, in the foyer there, so we'll have a lot of variety. Each of these programs are about 13 weeks long, three months, and when one is finished, you'll be able to move over. Everyone can get up and shift places, right? And you'll be at uh, a new Bible study. And so we've got an idea in mind for at least two years of uh, exciting curriculum. So anyhow, more on that later. But on Sunday, we handed out little cards, a survey card. If you did not get one, but you would like to help us with a survey, then we have a card that we can give you tonight. And then you check off uh, one, two, or all three of the Bible studies you'd be interested in. This is only if you would be coming on Wednesdays. Now, obviously, you're here on a Wednesday, obviously. But if your thought is, well, this is my last Wednesday, I won't be coming. Maybe um, your work schedule is changing. You won't be able to come. Well, then don't fill out a card. It won't help us. But if you're able and you're interested in coming, then fill out a card, a little survey. You're not committing yourself, but it just gives us a good idea as to where the interest is. So we will look after that at the end. 
Pastor Silver, maybe you could uh, make a little note and remember, uh, and we'll look at that during the um, uh, the uh, announcements. Now we're in Joshua chapter eight, and let's see here. We're going to read one verse together. Can I impose upon you to stand as we read verse eighteen? This will also give you a chance to stretch, because that's a biblical word. It's right here in verse eighteen. Stretch. It'll give you a chance to stretch. Let's read verse 18 all together and then you may be seated. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thy hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that he had in his hand toward the city. Thank you. You may be seated. We have an interesting story here. Uh, we won't take the time to read the whole chapter, but of course it's about the little town of Ai. And if you remember, uh, a fellow named Achan had committed sin by taking some stuff he wasn't supposed to take in the city of Jericho. That was the previous conquest and victory by Joshua and the Israelites. But because of his sin, God refused to give them a victory at Ai and they were beaten. Well, they got that right. They put things right. And now God says, okay, you can take the city of Ai. And God laid a special plan for them to do this. And so uh, the context here uh, it says basically that some of them went around back and laid in wait. The rest of them came kind of to the front door of the town and said, oh, we're going to get you. And so the men of Ai came out and started to fight. And then the Israelites turned and ran. And the men says, we got him, we got him. And so they uh, are chasing them. And at the right point, at the right time here, God said to Joshua, okay, hold up that spear that is in thy hand. And then God gave the victory. Well, tonight I want to look at this subject, the spear that is in thy hand. Only I'd like to look at it a little differently than what our, our story is uh, telling us. Now, when you think of these old um, military men, you might picture them, you know, holding swords. And definitely a sword was a, a military weapon. But, as it happens, the spear was more useful than the sword. And they much more often preferred spears than swords. Because when you're into close combat, the spear is longer than the sword. And it's easier to learn than the sword. And of course, the spear is a long pole with a big pointy end on one end, usually a bronze or iron or some kind of metal, something sharp. And the idea is to be able to poke, jab, inflict injury, kill. That's the idea of the spear. And so um, we have many Bible examples of the spear. There was uh, a little skirmish, a war between the men of Joab and the men of Abner. And uh, the men of Abner kind of got beaten by the men of Joab. And Joab had a younger brother and he was fast as lightning on, on his horse. And he saw Abner, and he says, I'm going to get him. And so he got on his horse, and he's chasing after Abner. And this is in uh, 2 Samuel. You can read about this. 
Uh, and so Abner looks back and sees uh, Asahel. That's the, um, the young, younger brother of Joab. And he says, um, turn back. Go after one of the other guys. And he says, I won't. I'm coming after you. And Abner told him again, turn back. I don't want to kill you. But he wouldn't listen. He kept after Abner. And so with his spear, Abner jabbed it backward. And it was long enough to reach Asahel and caught him under the fifth rib. And of course, he fell off his horse and died. An example there of the devastation that can be uh, uh, caused by spears. Spears are always weapons. Spears are weapons designed to kill or at least to inflict damage. That's what spears do. There's a popular uh, fishing sport called spear fishing, where with a spear gun, they shoot a, a, a long spear dart, if you will, through the fish. And then, of course, they, they got their trophy. If someone came toward you holding a spear, would you feel nervous? I probably would, to see someone come toward me with a weapon like that. We've got a lot of crazies out there in the world today. I have not yet heard or read of any uh, crazy who's gone after someone with a spear. I've read about knives. I've read about machetes. I've read about hammers. I've read about bombs. I've read about guns and bullets. But I haven't yet read about a spear, but I wouldn't doubt that it's happened and probably does happen around the world. Well, I want to propose to you that we, you and, you and me, sometimes we carry spears. Spears, remember, they're weapons and they inflict damage and they sometimes kill. And sometimes we carry them and we've carried them for so long that we forget we're holding them. We forget that they're in our hand. Can you imagine living with a spear in your hand and not even realizing it? Well, what I'm preaching on tonight are revival truths. I believe that the Lord has laid on my heart to preach uh, on the theme or the subject of revival over these next couple of Wednesdays. And I do believe that God is preparing us for some great things in the very near future. And so tonight, I'd like us to consider three spears that any of us might be unwittingly carrying with us. First, let's pray. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our Heavenly Father, would you please show to us what may be in our hand? Our Father, I pray that you would revive us again. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak with our hearts and draw us heavenward. I ask you to bless the young people as they're off at camp at a retreat. Help them, Lord, to come back better than when they went. Protect them. Protect us tonight. I pray for those that may be watching this message sometime in the future, that you would use it to speak to their heart as well. For your honor and glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you would turn to the right to the book of 1 Samuel, not very far, but 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'd like us to look together at the very first spear. I'd like to bring your attention 
to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and follow along with me here as I read from verse number 2. Follow this. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named, say that name out loud with me, Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. This guy was pushing ten feet tall. I have an idea in mind, and I'm not quite sure the hows and wheres and whens, but I'd like to, to bring Goliath to church one Sunday so that we can get our picture taken next to him. Hmm, some selfies. Give us sort of a, an idea. Wow, this is a big dude. But that's for another day. So put that out of your mind. Verse number five. It says he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. I calculate that to be about 125, 130 pounds. Maybe it was a little bit more. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. Greaves, by the way, were these metal coverings that covered uh, from about the kneecap down to the ankle. Those were called greaves. Verse 7. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. Okay, here we have the story of Goliath. I don't have to go into the story. You know it very well. But Goliath was a giant, and Goliath took pride in his physical abilities. And this is our first spear to look at tonight, the spear of pride. The spear of pride. I'm not sure, I can't say for sure, but I think that Goliath was a bully when he grew up. I think because he was so big, I think that he would bully the other kids. It's only a guess. I could be wrong, but from what I see, of Goliath here. It just seems to me that he was a bully. Just the way he, he behaved. His, his spear was like the thickness of the, the spear shaft was like a weaver's beam so it could have been five or even six inches in diameter. How do you get your hand around that? Unless you got a, a great big mutton chop or something of a hand to grab that thing. That was huge. And Goliath's pride was huge, just like the weaver's beam. And pride is a real dog of a problem. It is, folks. Pride is, well, I have likened pride to bad breath. Bad breath is something that offends everyone all around the person that has the bad breath. But oftentimes the person with the bad breath doesn't know that he or she has bad breath. They, they don't know. To them, it's just normal. It just doesn't smell like anything. But everyone else around them, you know, is turning green. The flowers wilt as they walk past the garden because of their breath. Their breath is so bad. But they themselves, they, they don't know it. And pride is like that. And people can have pride 
and not even realize it. It's like carrying a spear of pride in your hand and you don't even know you got it. Boy, that's a real dog, isn't it? Sometimes Christians suffer from pride. The thing about bad breath is that everyone around you knows you've got it. And it's the same with pride. Everyone around you can, can tell, they can see it. Oh, that man, that woman, they got a problem with pride. Say, how do they know? Here's why. Because pride focuses on self. It all has to do with me. What's in it for me? Pride says, I know, I know, you don't have to tell me, I know all about it. Pride says, I don't need help. I don't need help from man, I don't need help from God. Pride says, I'm a good self-made man. Pride may even say, I'm not a sinner. She's a sinner, he's a sinner, I'm not a sinner. I don't even need Jesus. Because I don't think I'm a sinner. Now for some Christians, pride may be saying, What? Me? Help at church? I don't do that. No, no. Let, that, let others help. Let others do the cleaning. Let others do all of that stuff. I, I don't do that. That's not my, my thing. Or perhaps... Pride might say, <clears throat> I know your kids. My kids are better than your kids. Too bad your kids aren't like my kids. I know they're not perfect, but they're better than your kids. And all this kind of reeks of pride. It's the spear of pride. And remember, the spear is a weapon that causes hurt, damage. It spills blood. It kills people. And pride is like that. Our sense of self-worth needs to come from God's Bible. That's how we're going to get a good idea. Remember, the Bible is something like a mirror. And if you hold it upright, you can see yourself in it. And that's why some people don't want to read the Bible. It's because they don't want to see their flaws. Mirrors do... Uh, give good reflection of what's there on the face. You can have things hanging out of your nose or some slop or something from lunch, you know, on your face or your chin. You're not aware of it, but the mirror will show it to you. We should all want to be looking in God's Word so that we can see ourselves. Our sense of self-worth, our sense of who we are ought to come right from God's Word, not from our own ideas. Otherwise, if we, if we get our sense of who we are and what we're worth from our own thinking, we're going to be like a little boy. A little boy who came running in to see his mummy one day all excited and said, Mom, Mom, he said, I'm eight feet tall. And his mother looked down at him and said, Oh, son, don't talk such foolishness. And he was very adamant. And he says, no, mom, no, I, I'm eight feet tall. And so she said, well, son, how do you know you're eight feet tall? Well, he said, I took my shoe. My foot fits my shoe. And I stood against the wall and I measured myself. And there's eight of them. I'm eight feet tall. 
And the mother said, oh boy, okay, now I see. I understand where you got that from. Well, son, she said, you're the size of your foot. Uh, you measured it according to your shoe size. But, she says, you're, you're not that tall. You're not as tall as a 12-inch ruler. And so, anyhow, that seemed to get the message through to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, God tells us that people who measure themselves by themselves are not very wise. And now may I remind you tonight what God says about the spear of pride. He says in Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. By the way, just like Goliath, that's what happened to him. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. Spears are weapons. And a spear of pride must be beaten into a pruning hook of humility. I'd like to suggest that if you find yourself with a spear of pride, that you get rid of that thing. You humble yourself before God so that He can bless you. We need to move on. There's another spear I'd like you to see tonight. If you'd go to the book of Chronicles, turn to the right, you'll find Kings and then Chronicles. First Chronicles, chapter number 11. First Chronicles, chapter number 11. Now, we're going to look at verse 20. Two and twenty-three. First Chronicles eleven, twenty-two and twenty-three. Please follow this along. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also he went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. Now, verse 23, here it is. And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high. And in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. Now, where have we seen that before? And he, that's Benaiah, went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. I suggest to you that we have the spear of anger here. This Egyptian man was a very tall, husky, angry warrior with a spear. And he was probably overconfident. Probably something like Goliath was overconfident when he stood in front of a teenage boy named David. And this Egyptian, although we're not given the name of the Egyptian... He thought he would defeat this Hebrew soldier named Benaiah. And by the way, the name Benaiah means built by the Lord. Some of the trucks on the road today say built by Ford. And they take pride in that, don't they? 
Well, here's a man built by the Lord. Built by the Lord. And bottom line is that this angry Egyptian giant came at Benaiah and Benaiah was able to take his own spear out of his hand and kill him with it. And by the way, the spear of anger. People who have the spear of anger often end up dying by their own spear. If you turn to Matthew, go to the New Testament to Matthew, we'll look at the words of our Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, follow along here. Actually, maybe I'll get your help, would you? Uh, We'll read verse 22 and... uh, now we'll just read verse 22. How about that? Matthew 5:22. Okay, everyone all together, here we go. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, by the way, that means empty head. That means empty head, Reka, calling names to someone. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, let's continue reading, shall be in the danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. The, uh, the word fool there is uh, the Greek word moros. And the idea is someone who's not even saved. Uh, like a wicked kind of uh, a person, a, a son of the devil, that type of thing. The book of Proverbs contrasts the righteous and the fool a lot. And so our Lord Jesus here is telling us something about anger. Anger is not good. Uh, Anger resteth in the bosom of anyone know what? Say it. Someone said it, I think. Starts with the letter F. Fools. Anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Seest thou an angry man? Ooh. You know, we're told in Proverbs... Not to associate, not to be close friends with an angry man. Do you know of anyone who just seems to be angry? Do you know of anyone like that? You've got to feel sorry for him or her. Because it's a spear of anger. usually ends up in their own gut. Anger is something that can kill us faster than what any enemy could do to us. Back in 1956, there was a five-year-old boy... His name was Stephen Saint, S-A-I-N-T, five years old. He was American. His American father was a missionary in a place called Quito, Ecuador, in the northwest part of South America. Young Stephen was born on the mission field, and his home was a primitive-looking house beside the river bank. Stephen had a hero. It was his daddy. Dad was his hero. Dad was a pilot, and Stephen's dad would get into a small airplane that had pontoons, meaning that it could land on the water. He'd get into this, and he'd take off from the river and fly into the jungles and tell people about Jesus. Five-year-old Stevie would wave goodbye to his daddy in the morning and then wait for his daddy to come home later that afternoon. Waiting for his dad to come home was always an exciting time because his dad would often bring him home something that he picked up from the jungle. Sometimes 
it would be another missionary's child that he picked up and bring the boy home for Stevie to play with. Sometimes his daddy would bring him home a, a, a sick native who needed some medical help. Well, on January the 3rd of 1956, five-year-old Stevie waved goodbye to his daddy as he flew off into the jungles. Only this time, daddy didn't come home. Several days went by and his mother sat him down and said to him, Stevie boy, daddy isn't coming home. He's gone to live with Jesus. Now, Stevie's father was named Nathaniel Saint. And Nathaniel was working alongside four other missionaries, Ed McCulley, Peter Fleming, Roger Uderian, and Jim Elliott. Shortly after, the five of them landed their plane on a beach close to where the Aka Indians lived, and the Akas suddenly attacked them in anger, using spears, killing all five of the missionaries. The wives and the children of the missionaries struggled with anger, and few people would have blamed them had they just decided to pack it all in and leave the mission field and go back to America and write angry books about the Aka Indians. But these dear Christian women gave their hurts, their angers, their pains over to God. And then they prayerfully went to see those Aka men who killed their husbands. And praise God, the Aka men laid down their spears and their anger, and they all accepted Jesus as their Savior. The spear of anger will make us to throw angry looks and hurtful words and bitter feelings toward people that we don't like. And this can happen within families, even within a church. The spear of anger is a deadly weapon, often of self-destruction. It must be beaten into a pruning hook of gentleness. If you look down and find a spear of anger in your hand, can I implore you to give that to God tonight? Give your hurts to God and let God replace it with a blessing. Well, we're in the New Testament, so let's go to the right to the book of John, the Gospel of John, for our last spear chapter number 19, and this is a, a rather unusual spear. I'm not sure if you've ever considered this spear before. In John chapter 19, we find our Lord Jesus dying for our sins upon the cross. Yes, He died for you. He had your name in mind. He had your face in mind. How did He do it? I don't know. But being God, he was able to do that. And so on the cross, he died for you and for me. And he gave up the ghost and he died. And so I'd like you to read verse 34. John 19, verse 34. Read that out loud with me now, please. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. 
Of course, the Roman soldier was trying to see if Jesus was still alive. And he pushed a spear in his side and the blood and water came out indicating that he was dead, the separation that takes place. There's a lot of water in the blood and it separates, of course. Uh, it's not flowing and so it separates. Now, this spear I've entitled the spear of indifference. The spear of indifference. You see, this Roman soldier was indifferent to who Jesus was. Hey, if, if you somehow were standing there next to Jesus, would you have put a spear in Jesus' side? No Christian on earth would ever dream of doing such a dastardly thing. No born-again Christian would ever do that. For a man or woman to say, oh, give me the spear, I'll do it. Now some of them might be filled with uh, contempt, scorn, and anger toward Jesus, possibly, but I don't think this was the case with the soldier. He was just doing his job. He was indifferent. He didn't know that that was God of very God on the cross. He didn't know that. He just thought it was just a, another criminal, a, a Jewish fanatic. He may have, may have heard about Jesus. His fame spread abroad. But hey, people that break the law, they have to pay the penalty. And here was the penalty for this guy. So sad, too bad. Where's that spear? We'll find out if he's dead or not. In the spear went. This man was indifferent. He was indifferent. I don't believe that he loved Jesus and I don't believe he hated Jesus. He was just cool as a cucumber. Didn't matter one way or the other to him whether it's Jesus or whether it's this thief on this side or this thief on that side. I'm going to find out if he's alive or dead. And in the spear went. And this is indifference. Indifference. Indifference fails to see the importance of what is in front of it. People who are indifferent to something, they don't see any importance, they don't see any value of what they're about to put their spear into. The spear of indifference. The indifferent person sees holy things as little or no importance at all. I'd like to suggest to you this is a dangerous weapon. And there are far too many people, far too many born-again Christians that have the spear of indifference in their hand. You see, this is also why so many marriages fall apart. Because he looks upon her and he doesn't see what's standing in front of him. He doesn't I'm talking, believe it or not, in Christian marriages. He doesn't see that his wife is God's daughter, a gift from God himself to him. He doesn't see the value in her. He's indifferent. She looks at him, same thing. She doesn't see the gift that God has given her in that man. All she sees are his faults. All he sees is her faults. They're indifferent. They're indifferent. No wonder they put the spear into each other. I hate her. I hate him. 
You see, you understand? The spear of indifference. It's pretty dangerous, wouldn't you say? The spear of indifference. And believe it or not, parents sometimes even fail to see how precious their children are. They fail to see that they're a gift of God. Ah, those little rugrats. Ah, get out of my sight. You'll never amount to anything. You're no good. You never have been. You never will be. They don't realize who those little people are. They're gifts from God Almighty. They don't see the importance and so they are indifferent. Likewise also, children can have the same attitude toward their parents. The ones who brought them into this world, who gave them life, who looked after them and nourished them through good times and not so good times, who provided for them, who prayed for them, who raised them and taught them about Jesus even. And sometimes they grow up and they're totally indifferent. So what? So what? You go to church, dad, mom, that's you. I got to live my life. They're totally indifferent to what's standing in front of them. The spear of indifference, I would suggest to you, has caused a lot of grief. Sometimes Christians show their indifference when they fail to see the importance of daily fellowship with God. Well, if I get around to it, I'll take a few minutes and sit down with the Bible and have a word of prayer, if I have the time. And that's indifference, folks. They fail to see how dangerous and really how hurting. It's a slap in God's face, really. The one who gave us life and breath and salvation. And we don't take time. We don't make time for him every day. That's the spear of indifference that we have put into Jesus' side. Christians sometimes show their indifference when they fail to see the importance of their local church. Do you realize that Jesus died for the church? And when we say, well, if I can get to church, I'll get to church. But if I don't feel like it, if I don't have time, if there's nothing else important, if I got nothing else to do, then I'll go to church. What an indifferent kind of attitude that one is, right? No wonder some Christians can easily put the spear into the church. Christians show indifference when they fail to see the importance of soul winning and missions and when they put their own comforts above the salvation of other people around them. My comforts are more important than you getting saved. Wow. No wonder so many Christians aren't involved in any way with helping get people saved. They can put that spear of indifference right in the heart of an unsaved person and not even wink. The spear of indifference must be exchanged. It must be beaten, if you will, into the pruning hook of a loving heart. We must give our spear of indifference to God. Not tomorrow, but today. We must ask Him to give us a heart for what really matters in life. Now, something interesting about this spear that we've just looked at. The spear that went into Jesus' side. Something interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but... What happened the very moment that the spear entered Christ's side? What happened? What happened was that blood covered the spear. Remember, there came out blood and water. Blood covered that spear. Now that's very interesting. His precious blood stands ready to cover your spear of hurt and destruction. His precious blood 
will blot out your dangerous spear if you give it to Jesus today. But of course, the choice is ours, isn't it? We can hang on to our spears or we can give them to Jesus so that into our hand he can put joy and peace and success. And by the way, joy, peace and success is far closer to you than what you ever thought. It's it's not far away. It's very, very close to you. Joy, peace and success is right there next door to you. Back in 2012, over in England, the newspapers carried a story about this British woman. And for 55 years, she was looking for her twin sister. Her and her twin sister had been put into foster homes when they were just little wee girls. And they never saw each other again. And she knew her sister was out there somewhere. And for 55 years, she'd look here and check this out and follow this lead. And 55 years, and she never found her sister. Until one day, she's watching television. And there was this TV show that uh, was all about helping people to reunite with family members that they lost. So she got on the phone and she called him up and said, I just saw your show. Maybe you can help me. And uh, she gave her name. I'm, I'm looking for my twin sister. Now the lady's name was Jennifer Wilson. Her sister's name was Kathleen. But she was married and went by another name. And she found her sister. The TV show helped her to find her sister Kathleen. Kathleen was living three miles away from Jennifer. In the same town as Jennifer. And get a load of this. Both Jennifer and her sister Kathleen even shared the same doctor and the same dentist. That successful Christian life That joy and peace that you want is closer to you than what you even realize. Well, then why don't we have it? Well, look down and see what's in your hand. Is there a spear in thy hand? A spear of anger? Hmm? A spear of pride? A spear of indifference? Why don't we get rid of those things? These are revival truths I'm preaching about, folks. Because I believe that God is calling us as a church to revival for great things just around the corner. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray together. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.